an above the line mindset is somebody that takes ownership, accountability, and responsibility, which sounds really like trite, but it's actually quite important. It's about looking at a scenario and saying, I understand that this may or may not be my quote unquote fault, but what am I learning from this? What can we do better from this? And it, it comes down to that being able to evolve a process as well. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. We're proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington. Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington here with the latest Courageous Conversation and with me I have the Head of Growth and Development for Langan Simmons, so I haven't gone very far from home this time, um, Harriet Saunders. Hey Harriet. Hi. How are you? Yeah, good thanks. How are you? Good. So Harriet has been working with Langan Simmons for just over 12 months. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about though, Harry, is obviously from your accent, you are not a local. Uh, you moved over um, to Australia how long ago? I moved to Australia, gosh, 10 years ago now. And so what was that like starting again? Because you, um, you were in real estate, right, um, in the UK? I was. I was in real estate in the UK from um, my sort of around, I guess, 20, 21 years old. I was in the middle of a degree in London. Um, and unfortunately, I had some really awful personal circumstances. My mum passed away and I had a younger brother. So I walked into a real estate agency in London and just kind of winged it. Um, and so, yeah, I had, I, had been, I had been working in real estate pretty much my whole adult life when I emigrated, but I'd had time off. I was um, just before we emigrated, I was a stay-at-home mum for my two kids. Um, and so, yeah, emigrating was interesting. We emigrated with three suitcases of stuff and we gave everything else away. We got the Red Cross showed up the day before we, we moved and I just said, take everything. And we just gave everything away. It was... Why? Because it's just stuff. Yeah. And I didn't need it. Mm -hmm. I, there was no need. It became, no, we're going on this adventure and we're going to start again. And I don't want to be weighed down by all of this stuff. Um, and so we, were, we, we got pretty brave, actually, about it. And, you know, my kid's the same. One of them was only four months old, um, but the other one was um, five. Yeah. And so it was a really great experience for him as well, being able to show him that you can just let go of all the stuff that you think you need and you can just get really brave and go out and have this amazing adventure and emigrate and move away from everything you know and move away from your family. Um, I don't know. I didn't find it as um, scary as my um, husband at the time who had lived in the same house his entire life. Right. But I'd, I'd grown up in Spain. I moved to Spain when I was seven. So I think I'd had an experience of moving around. I find, I find moving really um, fun. Yeah. Okay. Crazy person. But I like um, change. I love change. Yeah, yeah. Why? What do you love about change? I love change because I learn every single time something changes. Yeah. I like change because it kicks me out of anything mundane, which I like. I don't like routine. My idea of hell is that I did the same thing two days running. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, that's certainly not the case in this job. No, which is why it's <laughs> such a great job because no two days are the same. 
Um, and even when, when we've structured the whole week, there's curveballs all the way through. And I'm the kind of personality that thrives off that. So yeah. I'm about that. I like it. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Me too. Um, so you, um, you worked for Purple Bricks for a period of time. And I was really interested to have that conversation with you because there's a lot of anti-purple brick sentiment um, in the real estate industry, but you've got a really different view. You, um, you actually had some really positive things to say um, about certain parts of it. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so I'd already been um, in Australia a while. I'd worked my way through leasing and property management prior, um, and I'd worked for some of the bigger brands doing that. So I'd already kind of got back into real estate when um, Purple Bricks came up as an opportunity. Um, there were a couple of things that I really liked about it. Um, first of all, the negative sentiment, I never really, it never really bothered me. You know, even when I got eggs thrown at my signboards, <laughs> I, it never really bothered me because I just thought, in my view, I would, I'm, I'm just a fan of an innovator. And I think they tried something different. They didn't get it right. A hundred percent did not get it right. They underestimated or undervalued the agent in their process. You know, they didn't. And I don't think they were, they were understanding that although the UK market Purple Bricks is hugely successful because it's a, basically a tech business, it's almost a for sale by owner. The agent steps in at two points only and that's it. Whereas I think here the Australian market was not ready to let go of the role of the agent. So the company went, okay, cool, we'll put an agent in it full service, but forgot to put value on that. Yeah. And so that's kind of where it sort of fell over, I think. And the interesting thing when you worked for Purple Bricks was that it was actually nothing to do with the fee. So I often got called in because of the fixed fee and people would go, is that real? But when you got there and you explained to them what the company was about, the fee was irrelevant. I don't, I don't think I ever got engaged as an agent because of the fee. I got engaged because of the tech every single time. They had a piece of technology that was completely transparent in every way. So you could see everything. And they had a piece of tech that, you know, was kind of like an online auction tool and, and an open calendar tool and a diary tool and open home software and, and DocuSign. And it was everything in one and it had a CRM in it. Yeah. And the CRM was Australia wide. So it had this kind of really open, transparent core simplification of the process that allowed everybody to see what was happening by a vendor agent. So there was like huge trust in the process. So it became you actually got to be honest and get a great result. And that was what I did believe in. I believed in the tech and I believed in the transparency of the product. Um, the fee was really not even it. <laughs> it wasn't even the point, um, which was not portrayed to the public. And that was their core mistake as well. I think if they had gone out and sold what the core purpose was, it may have been a different story, but they over-focused on fee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But you learned so much from that. You le I learned so much from working with a disruptor. I learned more in that time about the real estate industry in Australia than I did in all of the experience I had leading up to that in, in sort of, you know, more traditional models. You learn more when you fail than when you succeed, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's so true, right? And, and I think we need to um, reframe our view of the word failure, and the whole way that we think about failure, right? Yeah. I think you leaning into failure is hard. As a, as a human being, you've got like a core defense mechanism, either because 
your intention is never to get it wrong. And that's also something that's really good to own, to come into a scenario and go, I've made a mistake. My intention is never to make a mistake. Yeah. You and I work together all the time. I come to you and say, I've made a mistake. My intent, you know, my intention is never to get it wrong, but I'll often come to you and say, I've made a mistake or something hasn't worked. And here's what we're going to do yeah. to make sure that doesn't happen again. Here are the proactive things we're going to do. We're going to learn from it. Um, and it's hard to do at first. It definitely didn't come naturally to me to fail and lean into it. Um, but it's, it's such a core life skill. I, ch- I have two boys, two boys who are now 12 and nine, almost 10 because Benny have 10 years. Um, and, you know, they make mistakes all the time. And I, I'm trying to teach them that core life skill that a failure is a learning opportunity, not, not a moment to beat yourself up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've, um, we've just talked today uh, earlier about um, some things that we're evolving um, in our in our offering and it, that's what it is right it's an evolution you think you know what people need but then you deliver it and then you go actually this will even be better if we do x y and z how many times do I come to you and say I know it's good but yeah. <laughs> so many and I think also it's that idea that like there's some kind of fixed destination around yeah. either success or or um, a, an objective or a goal. It, it's never a fixed destination. It's an ongoing process of, so for example, with the Lang and Simmons training, we built it all out and it could have been so easy to go like, there you go, it's built. Let's just set and forget. But we, we never do. We're like, but this could be, um, but also based on feedback and here's what I'm seeing and I think if you can create an environment either in your personal or professional life where that kind of open dialogue about the evolution of anything rather than thinking it's a fixed destination and you've either succeeded or failed is, is core is so core. And we have that. Yeah, we do. We're, we're, um, we're lucky, I guess that we do, but there's a real focus um, um, in particular from you about um, above and below the line conversations. So that is, um, that's the key to being able to have that kind of open, that open dialogue that we have, right? So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) of course. (laughs) When do I not want to talk about that? Um, Above and below the line, I do, I do harp on about it, but I think it's because over time, everything I've ever tried to coach in, in a coaching conversation or train in, in a training environment has really boiled down to a core concept. And if you if, if we don't like get this foundation block right, it's almost nothing works on that after that. So an above the line mindset is somebody that takes ownership, accountability and responsibility, which sounds really like trite, but it's actually quite important. It's about looking at a scenario and saying, I understand that this may or may not be my quote unquote fault, but what am I learning from this? What can we do better from this? And it, it comes down to that being able to evolve a process as well. Whereas a below the line person is one that sits in blame and excuses and denial. And the trouble with that is that if you're not taking ownership of anything that's happening in your life, personally or professionally, you're never learning and growing from it. So you're fixed, you're stuck in a permanent destination that you're not happy with. And what we notice in an above and below the line mindset is that above the line people When you take an above the line response to anything, positive or negative, the outcome for you is positive if you're above the line and negative if you're not. So people that say, yes, I did make that mistake, but it happened because, or um, it wasn't my fault, 
or, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, but here's why. So you're not sorry or you're, it's about saying, you know, and it's also about understanding the difference between intent and action. So you may not intend to get something wrong, as I said before, and yet you did. And so it's about saying, okay, I didn't intend to upset anyone, but I have. So I need to take ownership and accountability for the fact that that happened and learn why that happened. If it wasn't my intention, where, where, where was the disconnect between my intention and what came out? And that whole intention piece is really interesting, right? You, you can see other people, you, you know your own intention, but other people can only see your actions. Yeah. Um, so it's very, very hard to understand what someone's intention is. And everybody thinks that they do the right thing, but everybody's view of the right thing, again, is different. I say this all the time, it's, it, and it is to do with communication as well. And I say communicating is like driving. Everyone thinks they're amazing at it. Yeah. And actually very few people are. Yeah. Um, and, but I think, you know, if there's one thing to consider, it's that if you walk into a situation where you've made a mistake and you say, it is not my intention to have made this mistake, but I can see that and I acknowledge that. Yeah. The response that you get 100% of the time is, oh, my gosh, of course. You walk into a scenario and say, I made a mistake, I'm human, but my intention was not to, and here's what I'm going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. The response that you get to that is, wow, wow, versus walking into a scenario and going, look, I did make a mistake, but it wasn't my fault because... I did my best. I did my best. And anyway, I've got too much work on, so what do you expect? Yeah, exactly. The difference between the two responses are huge. Yeah, and yeah. I think in coaching conversations that we, I have with agents, you know, that's the biggest obstacle I face every single time. Lack of willingness to stay above the line and take responsibility. Victim behaviour. Victim behaviour, yeah. Hate. Victim behaviour or entitled behaviour. Yeah. You know, I'm entitled to my success. You know, even a lack of, lack of humility is below the line. Yeah. I'm entitled to this and it's the market's fault or it's my principal's fault or it's my sales associate's fault. Or, and if you're a business owner, same thing, it's my team's fault. Great, that's... You're the leader. What are we doing to take ownership of that? You know, have you got clear KPIs? Have they got clear structures? Have we got clear communication channels? Um, so ownership's big. And even people that think they've taken ownership and haven't so often, you know, <laughs> if you follow a sentence with but, you're not in ownership. Um, and it's not positivity police. People often say to me, oh, I've gone below the line. I said, no, you haven't. You're just saying that you're not you're not feeling good about this today. That's okay. That's not below the line. That's actually above the line. You're taking ownership of your mindset today. Um, so not to be confused with being positive. That's not the same. No, I understand. It's a really powerful concept once you um, really understand it and, and use it. So you've already referenced the fact that you've got two gorgeous boys. Um, yeah. How do you manage? Because you've got a full-on job um, and you are, a, I know, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and you, um, you're a single mum. So how do you manage that? A couple of things. Well, it's about, it's to be honest, it's above the line. I could, I could sit here and get frustrated on the days when I don't get it right. I could get frustrated about how busy my life is. I could get frustrated. Um, or I can just take ownership of the fact that this, this is, this is the path I've chosen and I did choose it. I did. There was a moment in my life where I chose, um, to get divorced and to be a single mom. It wasn't something that happened to me. I chose it. Um, and I have to also take ownership of the fact that I, I'm actually very happy by myself. I'm genuinely very happy. Um, and 
the fact that the boys are the biggest priority in my life. So I take ownership of all those things and I go, okay, so what can I control? I can't control right now that I'm a single mom or that inflation's going up or that, you know, my cost of living is going up. I can take ownership of um, performing at work and building a career and putting energy and attention into creating a, a financially independent life for myself, which I've done. And I can take ownership of what I can do in my day-to-day life and in my weekly tasks to be more organized so that I'm not last minute and I'm not stretched. I can, I think being organized is a big one and just not resenting it, but deciding that this is the life that you've chosen and ensuring that the kids see that. I don't want the kids to see me stressed all the time. And I also, it's also very important not to buy into the mom guilt. Like, you know, I don't know many of the moms at their school and sometimes I show up and they're like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, their, I'm their mom. Oh, we don't see you that much. And I said, no, nah, I have a job. And they often say, oh, do you feel guilty that you miss that stuff? No, no, I don't feel guilty at all. You should, I mean, my kids are growing up with that example of what, a, never mind a woman, it's not even a girl boy thing. It's just, I'm raising these two boys who have a mum that um, completely supports them financially and emotionally and physically and who can take everything in their stride and manages manages whatever life throws at you. Um, and I can't think of a better example to set. So I don't, I don't buy into the guilt either. I'm kind of, I know what, what the positives are and I lean into that um and not sweating the small stuff has to be huge yeah. <laughs> that's big yeah, yeah massively you can't get stressed about the little things you've just got to be like it'll be fine well or you, you know you, there are times where you just go you know what gotta bring the boys with me how um, many times have I said that to you he had an asthma attack he's coming with me yeah. <laughs> I'll be there I'm not gonna let anyone I will never make me being a single mom and this is really important, anyone else's problem. Yeah. So you'll never hear me say it to you as an excuse for anything not being right. I will never show up to an appointment late with an excuse that I'm a single mom. In fact, I don't think you, I don't think most people out there know I'm a single mom. It's not something I talk about. Yeah. It's not a it's not a war wound or like or an excuse to go out and be anything other than the best I can be. And so what I find really interesting with you though is because it is very obvious that your boys, as they should be, are your number one priority. Um, and that is absolutely as it should be. But I never, as your as your leader, um, I never once feel or have felt that your job is any less of a priority. No. Does that make sense? We kind of just work around everything that we know that has to be done. That very much comes from the trust that you have in me, though. You trust yeah. that I will never let I will never let anyone at work down, which is a whole network of people. (laughs) I won't. I will find a way to make it work. And when you empower me with that trust, I couldn't let someone down, which is why sometimes my son's with me. It doesn't happen often, but it's like, I'm not going to let people down. He's coming with me. Yeah. And just quietly, they kind of, uh, they kind of like coming with you. They Um, love it. (laughs) Yeah. Particularly Riley, he does like to. My oldest one loves it because he's all about the growth mindset. You know, he came home from school yesterday and he said, you know, mom, I'm having some issues with a friend at school. And I was like, okay. And he goes, look, what I'm about to say is a little bit below the line. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) 
what a mother. Can you imagine? I'm creating monsters. I'm creating monsters. Hosting conversations. Look, it all comes back to ownership. It really does. I chose to move to Australia and all my family are in the UK. So I knew when I made that choice that I was potentially, you know, going to be with less support system and less support network. You know, I chose to build this career. I chose to have my, I chose it. There's no point in acting like a, a victim to a scenario that I, I've made decisions over decades that led me to this point and I'm happy. Yeah. 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 You are. You seem to be. (laughs) Um, Before I let you go, um, you and I um, have a bit in common in that we both um, prefer direct conversations um, and we don't need to beat around the bush to, to have a conversation. Um, Not everybody feels that way. And you said to me that that's actually not something that came naturally to you. Can you, Talk to me about how you've actually learnt that skill. So, no, I used to find direct conversations really challenging. Um, I was the kind of person that would get so nervous in a confrontation that I would want to be sick. I would be shaking. That's going to make you laugh now because you think. <laughs> but it's true. So I would get so nervous in a, in a, in a confrontation that I would be shaking and I'd think I was going to throw up. Um, and now I'm, I will be the one that you will, of anyone, you'd probably say, let Harriet do it. Let Harriet yeah. can have the conversation. Let Harriet. Yeah, yeah. We, have, um, we have, as franchisors and um, you as a coach and a trainer, um, have to have a lot of quite confronting um, and difficult conversations at times. And, yeah, if I had, if I had to choose someone to have it, um, depending on what it is, it's most likely going to be you. So it came from... And actually at previous roles, I'm the one that used to, so they'd come and get me and be like, we need you to fire someone. No, it didn't matter what department it was. It comes from a couple of things. I think it came from building my confidence in um, my what I had to say. So building confidence in the fact that what I had to say came from the right place. It yeah. never comes from a poor intention. Yeah. Um, and being able to find my own way of communicating in, in, in confrontation. And my way is really open and really transparent and um, it's still caring. So I will say, I'm saying this, this is where my intent when I say this. Um, so making sure that I communicate what I'm intending, making sure I communicate um, how we've got to this point. It's the clarity that made, made direct conversations easier. So when I communicate directly, you'll vouch for this, I'm always crystal clear. There is no margin for misunderstanding. And I think I had to grow confident in my communication skills, but also grow confident in the fact that what I had to say was important enough to say. I won't have a direct conversation over nothing. I don't sweat small stuff. But if there's a conversation that needs to be had, um, I'll have it. And having the patience to, because I'm just a bit of a bull at a gate, I'll just hit you between the eyes, right, without necessarily... Yes, she says, uh, without necessarily setting it up the way that you do with your intention and with, you know, clarity around um, around all of it. Yeah, and often I'll say this isn't going to be a great conversation. There's going to be some tough moments in this conversation, but I want you to know that I'm having this conversation because I care and I'm having this conversation because I want to work this out and I want the outcome at the end to be good, yeah. but I need to tell you some hard stuff and this is what I need to say. And then, you know... I'll say it and then usually back it up with examples. And I won't mean to, 
but it's because I will, I will sit on something for a while before I get to that point. And I will know, I will, I will say, did I contribute to it? What could I have done differently? What could they have done differently? How did we get? And I will contemplate on it. And then when I come to the conversation, I'm completely certain. I'm completely certain that I've understood it. And I'll, I'll be very, very um, self-critical in that process. You know, I'll, if there's anything that was on me, I'll take it. Yeah. But when I get to that conversation, I'm completely certain of, of the judgment I'm making and the reasons and the evidence. And the so then it just becomes it just becomes pulling out all, all of your communication skills um, and being as honest and transparent as you can be. And also I found with you a willingness to potentially get curious about if there is negative feedback. You're curious about it rather than defensive about it. I'm so curious. Yeah. I look for that in others. I think if somebody says, hey, that's not working, and you say, yes, it is, it's never going to evolve. We talked at the very beginning about the evolving process. And I think also, too, when you understand that failure is is oh, failure, not getting things right all the time is the is the road to success and leaning into getting things wrong. When you get things wrong, lean into it. What did I get wrong? How did I get it wrong? And put your defenses down. It's so liberating and you grow so much because people will have more honest conversations with you. Yeah. If you're defensive, people won't approach you, no. you know, but if you're open to any feedback, people will talk to you and you will learn so much. You know, you only have one perspective your perspective is only ever going to be one facet of the truth. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of um, there's lots of stuff on on perception, but the one I like the most is that the Vinjiang um, video where you're focused on something and you can't see that he's actually throwing the tissues behind you. But if you if you've got that broader perspective, you can actually see what's going on. But so many of us approach something with that narrow that narrow perspective. Feedback is just that. It's a, it's an alternate perspective. It's not a criticism. Yeah. It's a different perspective on what you thought was perfect. And the defensiveness is unfortunately a huge below the line behavior trait. And a below the line person is someone who isn't growing, who isn't evolving. And it's all, it, you can say you're being very defensive about that. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, like, you asked me about purple bricks. Yeah. You know, I, I all I can all I see from that experience is what I learned. Yeah. Even in the really dark times when you're made redundant, it's all a learning experience. Yeah. An experience that I still bring to the table today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot, um, there's a lot to learn from um, that entire conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time. Always good to catch up with you, even, um, even though we do it every day. Um, <laughs> it's, always a, it's always a good chat. So thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.